0: and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you want to know the answer, you're in the right place. Hello, hello, Megan Thompson here with Megan Thompson Coaching, and we have Autumn Brennan, our team coach and expert as well with us today. Hi, Autumn. Hey,
1: how you doing, Megan? Thank you for having me on. Can't wait to have this conversation
0: today. Yes, so excited. So, Let's cover it. We are speaking about how to support your picky eater if you're you're parenting a highly sensitive child, especially if you're stuck in the meltdown cycle. Make sure that you stick around. We're going to cover all about how to support your highly sensitive child in getting curious about food and where you are stuck and keeping that cycle going perpetuating that picky eating, right? All right, so first and foremost, let's make sure that we're covering what we do, why we're, we know what we're talking about, all that jazz, and then we'll get further into it. So again, if you are parenting a highly sensitive child and you're also stuck in the meltdown cycle, it's very important that you notice that this is a family dynamic issue. That means your child is hitting, kicking, screaming, yelling, melting down on a daily basis, multiple times a day, or multiple times a week. This is the meltdown cycle. Your child might also be shutting down or refusing or leaving the room, eloping in school, etc. cetera. And this is the particular specialty that we have here at MTC. We help parents break out of that cycle, eliminate those daily meltdowns in as little as eight weeks through the work that we do for parents of younger children. And then parents of teens, we have a separate program where we work with parents and and their teens to break out of that shutdown, isolation, refusal cycle. So Autumn's here because we uh, collectively run the gamut in our age range uh, expertise. So we're going to talk about this in in different avenues because teen picky eating can show up way different than uh, highly sensitive young child picky eating. So we're going to cover them both. So. With that being said, when parents are stuck with with that picky component of a child who is stuck, uh, not able to eat at the table, refusing to eat at the table, et cetera, um, two things we need to notice. One is that neither of us are registered dietitians or um, formerly educated nutritionists. So obviously, the focus of today's show is not to tell you how to feed your kid what to feed your kid or how much your kid should eat. Okay. Um, With that being said, we will break out of the meltdown cycle along with the picky eating cycle through the strategies that we talk about today. So it's really important that you notice we've helped hundreds of families break out of that meltdown cycle and many of them have picky eaters uh, that they've been supporting their their children get more curious about different foods. So that's why we know what we know uh, works and uh, why we're gonna talk about it today. So one of the things that I think is really important to notice, and Autumn, I'm sure that you've seen this over the decade plus, that you've also been working in the field, is noticing where parents can, can get tripped up in highlighting the major issue of, of picky eating, um, right? So, so the main problem is dinner time. Uh, the parents are, are more visible, too, especially if your kids being schooled outside of the home. And the challenges around making sure that everybody enjoys the time together, making sure that your child is eating what is served, and even just coming to the table is all can all be lumped into the the experience of a quote unquote, picky eater. Right?
1: Right. Even thinking about what this might look like for a teenager. um, I've had parents come to me and um, they're, they're feeling a lot of fear, right? Because they're noticing my teenager is living off of cup of noodles or um, my teenager is, you know, only eating pasta or um, noticing that, you know, they, they are aware of the fact, right. Because of everything that they've been told that, um, you know, having diversity in in a diet, um, being willing to try new things, um, sitting down with the family at dinner, right. Is important, right. This is important Mm -hmm. to the family system. And they're noticing um, their teenagers just really just know, no, I'm not doing that. I can't. No,
0: yeah. I don't like
1: that, right? And, yeah. and you know, maybe even stuck in wondering, uh, you know, where is that, that line between this is a problem and this is normal teenage behavior, right? Mm-hmm. And and um, many times they're noticing when they try to push it, that's what gets this reaction that now we're not in the still the realm of this typical teenage behavior. Now we're swearing, we're yelling, we're crying um, mm-hmm. over whether or not you're going to sit down and eat roast. With the rest of the family. <laughs>
0: yeah, 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 and we see the same thing with younger children, right? Highly sensitive kids, ages three, four, five, all the way through eight, nine, ten, eleven, having the same issue, only eating, you know, white foods <laughs> like macaroni and cheese, pasta, butter noodles, um, chicken nuggets, as long as the nuggets don't have black flecks on them right? White bread, grilled cheese, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, just super plain foods and, 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 and can just basically stick in the cheese and, and carb family. Um, or we've got kids who, who you know, would lovingly be called a fruit bat in their home, which was my kid uh, way back in the day. <laughs> um, and, and when we were working on this in, in our own family and helping her increase the diversity of, of her diet. And um addressing the particularities, regardless of how old your, your highly sensitive child is, they all stem from the same root, which is incredibly important for us to cover here today. But uh, before we cover that, right, before we address, um, to, you know, how to solve it, we got to look at what parents are doing and, and that that is it, that is keeping the cycle going, right? Um, and in, in, on top of that, where you might be missing the mark as a parent if you're highlighting this picky eating cycle as one of the major behaviors that you need to be tackling when your child's melting down in or outside of the dinner uh, dinner table experience, right? So you might have a kiddo who's melting down when it's time to go for school, uh, around homework, etc., and then also have a child who struggles around food um, to you know to get curious and to eat consistently a variety a, a variable diet. And um, that can feel like two separate issues, right? So Autumn, you and I are going to talk about why it's the same thing. <laughs> it's all coming from the same root and, um, and and where we can get tripped up, right? So one of the things that we know for sure is that when a child is stuck in the meltdown cycle, they're clearly emotionally dysregulated on on a daily basis, even in or outside of that meltdown cycle, right?
1: Right, right. And sometimes we even um, might notice that um, you're, you know, you, you mentioned a bunch of different environments there, right? You mentioned school, you mentioned um, you know, maybe just even being anxious within the family environment, maybe there's siblings involved where um, your child starts to experience um, just anxiety or dysregulation, as we would say, um, you mm-hmm. know, changes in their emotional state, um, just naturally, right? That that's, mm-hmm. that's part of what's happening for them. They're struggling to regulate their emotions, um, you know, across the board. And, you know, I'm going to give you the example of a teenager, and when we think about how this starts to come together with eating, where we notice um, that they're, let's say, struggling because they're feeling really anxious about being around peers or, or yeah. around going to school. And then we notice that we want them to eat breakfast in the morning, right? But they're so anxious, getting down the stairs to get to school that they look at food and that's just not part of what their body wants them to do in that moment, right? Yeah. Um, that's mm-hmm. not that's not on the top of the list. The bear, yeah. <laughs> right. as we might say at school, um, is, is yeah. the top concern. Um, and so in that moment, their, their body doesn't necessarily want to move towards what's going to be no, most nutritious for me. Right. So Mm -hmm. they're they're not looking to solve this long term problem of getting it proper nutrition like their parent is. They're trying to just make it through the morning, white knuckling it to be able Mm -hmm. to get to the place that the adults are expecting them to be. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So if your kiddo is running from a bear in their own emotional state all day long, and this is really important for you to, you know, to to be cognizant of as a parent, If you've been following me for a while, following MTC for a while, you've heard us say that if your child is holding their emotions in and then exploding only at home, that doesn't mean that they're calm all day and that they've got a skill that they're demonstrating, right? Right. Um, It's very important that you don't look at your child's quote-unquote effective behavior, quote-unquote lack of quote-unquote misbehavior as a skill, okay? Um, When you're stuck in the meltdown cycle, that means your child is dysregulated all day long and we have a big pervasive problem to address and with that being said some parents might see oh well thank goodness my thank my lucky stars my kids major issues are only at home right think my lucky stars my kids major issues are only in one setting uh, maybe this is with uh, other caregivers instead of with parents instead of at school doesn't matter guys if you're stuck in the meltdown cycle those meltdowns are happening daily daily then this is a pervasive, pervasive issue it doesn't matter where it shows up but with that being said the main concern that you need to be focusing on is noticing that your child is in that fear response, that dysregulated response all day long in different pockets. Now, you might hear me say that and then say, but wait a minute, I see my kid happy. (laughs) Emotions are black and white. Okay. So it's incredibly important that we don't discount when your child feels a positive emotion. Great. That's good. They're not clinically depressed and, and, um, and, and, can't get out of bed. But guess what? Clinically depressed children get out of bed. <laughs> you know, that, that picture of, of just, um, uh, m- mental illness is, is actually pretty, pretty ineffective to, you know, to, 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 gauge a highly sensitive child stuck in that meltdown cycle doesn't only experience negative emotions, right? Just like right. somebody who's, 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 sad in their life and, and doesn't know how to manage their emotions and isn't skillful in adulthood never feels happy, right? But it's really important that we look at this in a, in a bigger issue. So let's get back to picky eating. You were using the metaphor of running from a bear, right? If you're running from a bear, are you going to stop and eat a sandwich? <laughs> no. 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 Everything in your body is going to be
1: moving towards getting away from that bear, right? Um, You're going to be in your fight or flight. You are going to be concerned with the most prominent problem, which is your safety
0: and Mm -hmm. your digestive system isn't even turned on. No, no, it's not working. working. Nope, not working. So not not just disinteresting, right? It's really important. We use the word picky eating because this is what parents use. Um, You know, you're listening to us. You haven't worked with us yet. (laughs) We haven't helped you reframe that judgment. So we're going to use that judgment here in our free trainings, um, because it's just what parents are using. It's what pediatricians are using, et cetera. So it's the label you're going to give your kid. But what's important to understand is the function of that behavior. That your, your child is doing this for a reason, and it's not because of, it's not because the pepper is too peppery. Now, let's be honest. It might be partly because the pepper is too peppery, right? But if that pepper is not getting in your kid's mouth, and they've never touched the pepper on that chicken nugget, they've never tasted it, then you can, you can jump to the conclusion that it's not because the pepper is too peppery, right?
1: No, um. no.
0: <laughs> it's,
1: it's that fear of what if the peppery is too peppery.
0: Exactly, exactly. So, yes.
1: mm-hmm. for teenagers, is that the magic it, it, Yeah, I mean, it, and it, it comes down to, um, you know, we use this phrase at, at um, Megan Thompson coaching, and sometimes the problem is not the problem. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we see picky eating. Mm-hmm. But picky eating might not be the problem. Mm-hmm. The fear of uncertainty. But what if? Mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. what would that taste like? What if I don't mm-hmm. like it? Am mm-hmm. I going to be able to handle it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So same idea when we think about teens. You know, mm-hmm. a teen that's in the lunchroom, mm-hmm. parents noticing what they see is that they're, they're skipping lunch. They're Now they're skipping breakfast and they're skipping lunch. Mm-hmm. When the reality might be it's not... That they're not hungry, it's not that they don't want to eat, but that's a social situation. Mm-hmm. Fear of being in a social situation, fear of other, um, you know, students around them, peers. Judging you have to them. order something, right? talk to you've an adult. To order something, you've got to talk to an adult. So, it, you know, coming back to that, problems not the problem. Mm-hmm. The not eating the
0: food, and if we try to target it from that perspective, I don't think that we're going to get very far. No, it's just a symptom of that underlying fear. And so when we look at that um, and, and breaking out of that pattern, it's very important that we also look at how does that fear pervasively address this issue? How does it? How does it show up in all avenues of your child's life? Right? Mm-hmm. You're stuck in the emotional experience of running from a bear on a daily basis, mm-hmm. on a you know throughout your day your body is constantly looking for things to get disgusted by in order to keep itself alive.
1: (laughs) Right. 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 And it can produce the, the sensation as a parent of, you know, that, that whack-a-mole feeling, right. When Mm -hmm. you're, you're going in to see different professionals because, you know, well, picky eating i'm worried about nutrition and i'm worried about you know what's happening there so i'm going to go see um you know this professional and we're going to try to target that problem and um well by the way we're also having these meltdowns where we're hitting and we're yelling and so we're going to go over here to this person to to have um you know this set of problems taken care of Mm -hmm. when the reality might be that the underlying cause right um is is really the same Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. issue of of not knowing how to help your child or them not knowing how to um, decrease this emotion dysregulation they're experiencing, not knowing how to control these emotions. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And so by being focused on the whack-a-mole, you actually increase your child's uncertainty that you can help them because
1: mm-hmm. your child
0: knows that it's not about the chicken nuggets, in some subconscious way as well, because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's on the plate. They're going to come down to the, to the, to the table in a dysregulated mood, you could have served them ice cream with cherries on top. And if they didn't like cherries, they are not scraping that cherry off. Right, right. They are saying the whole thing is rotten. Right. Yeah. And 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 um, and that's the that's the experience of pervasive fear, of pervasive disgust. Because when you're in, when you are running from a bear, you need to make sure that you don't smell. And here I go getting gross. That you don't smell the dead carcass. It that you smell the carcasses that the bear has been been gnawing on, in the woods so that you stay away from those carcasses because the bear lives there. Right. 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 Or other carry on. I can use the the, um, the, <laughs> the scientific words so people aren't puking while mm-hmm. listening to what we have to say, but that's, that's incredibly important A biological component. Right. And then same thing. We're not picking berries that smell sour to eat when right. we're in survival mode. Right. And And so if you as a parent, go ahead. Sorry, I'm on a roll. No,
1: you are on a roll. (laughs) You're you're really picking up on this, you know, an an awareness of, you know, how strong different emotions are within our our bodies. And, um, you know, one of the things that we really help to teach parents at, you know, as part of the coaching program is to understand um, different emotions and how they operate within our bodies. Right. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, emotions like disgust we don't really think about that one very often, but it has mm-hmm. such an impact on how we behave or how we relate to our environment, mm-hmm. right? And so noticing that, that sometimes you know we're experiencing emotions more intensely, there's more subtle emotions, like mm-hmm. disgust. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really know that I like the way that smells. For mm-hmm. a highly sensitive kiddo that's going to produce a stronger reaction, that stronger fight or flight response, than it might mm-hmm. for somebody
0: else. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. create more aversion
0: exactly exactly so we're not saying that their aversion is wrong or irrelevant right especially Mm -hmm. if you're a highly sensitive person whose sensation of smells is heightened compared to the average human right and that heightened component gets even higher when your nervous system is on fire and that's what we're talking about. And so when we think about even, you know, in teens that we've helped so far and 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 the kids that we've helped and the parents that we've worked with specifically to to, to address this, the the targeted behavior gets to be gleefully ignored <laughs> by parents because their kids start spontaneously eating different variable foods when we address the core issue. Mm-hmm. And and your child feels validated in that experience because why? they know that when they're running from a bear there's no way in heck that they are going to consider that poisonous berry and dis- discover the difference between the red on the poisonous berry and the maroon on the the berry that's a, that's the, that they're okay to eat right because you don't have time to stop and look at those those um, distinctions when you are running from a bear and so your child feels completely disconnected from your conversation at, aka lecture at the dinner table <laughs> right, right? So this is where I was headed when I was on a roll, and we, we always tag teams so well, Autumn, and, and in terms of being able to notice that the, the, the hunger cues are, just, are ignored, right? The, um, the curiosity cues are wiped out. The fear is, is consuming. And when we see teens and kids feel, feel regulated in their own emotions, feel regulated in their bodies, that has to come through the relationship with their parents. Mm-hmm. This is true for highly sensitive kids around the world. It's not just an only our clients thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, that the research speaks definitively related to vantage sensitivity. When you change where you are working from in your life's circumstances, then you build your skills faster. Highly sensitive kids perform, outperform their peers and they have a much higher likelihood of outperforming their peers in all avenues of their life. You've heard me speak about the possibilities for your kid in a different show. When they feel a positive relationship with their parents, Mm -hmm. when they feel emotionally supported by their parents, emotionally understood and supported. It's one thing of like, you do you boo, but if your parent doesn't understand you, that's still confusing. Right? Right.
1: And this, you know, this really makes me think of um, just a classic teen example of, you know, a parent trying to nurture a teen that's continuing to struggle with a, with being a picky eater. You know, the teen may have mustered just everything that they could inside of them to get down the stairs, to interact with the family that's in the kitchen mm-hmm. that maybe they've been struggling to interact with. And, you know, they're, they're doing the best to regulate their emotions to not... Um, create some kind of conflict because they know that, you know, they might be walking on edge, right? Mm-hmm. Just, just going into this interaction. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, teen reaches for that classic macaroni and cheese cup and, mm-hmm. you know, is is making it for themselves. And maybe they are experiencing a lot of depression. And so maybe mm-hmm. they're not letting on to their parent that this just took all of the energy that I had right, to get down here. Or, you know, again, maybe that there's that anxiety that that um, is causing them to really struggle with, um, you know, interacting with other family members outside of their bedroom. Maybe they've, they've had, um, you know, a lot of isolating happening. And, you know, sticking that um, the macaroni and cheese into the microwave, and while they're standing there waiting, um, a family member comes up and might interact with them, you know, asking them, well, do you want this to go with it? Or, or do you want this? And and really trying to be helpful in that moment, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah, and no, no um, you know, intent around disrupting. And because two family members are just operating on different levels of understanding of what's happening, you know, the, the team may really struggle with even considering another option. Mm-hmm. I need to grab my mac and cheese out of the microwave and get out of Dodge. <laughs> Back yeah. to safety of the room, right? Yeah. Because on an emotional level, they, they're struggling to figure out all of these different emotions that are swirling around inside of them to even consider being curious about, well, what what would a piece of ham taste like with the macaroni mm-hmm. and cheese?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're thinking to themselves, I just need food.
0: You right. want me to talk about ham? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go downstairs things. and you need me
0: to talk about ham. <laughs> right. Why are you trying
1: to force things on me?
0: (laughs) What does it have to do with spending time with the family? Can't you see I'm down here? So then you 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 don't care about me.
1: Right? Right? And the
0: parents like, we do not care about you. I'm I'm trying (laughs) to enhance your experience. Dude, I'm just having an experience. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. 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 And so this is gonna come out in all different kinds of behaviors, right? For for a teenager, it's gonna look different than for a kid. Where they you know, they, they, instead of ants in their pants, they've got mice in their pants at the table. Um, right. Sure, you could think that that means that they are hyperactive, or you could notice that there's a lot going on in their mind and keeping their body still is just not part of the priority here. Mm-hmm. and um and and we look at how kids regulate you know all behavior is communication so we, we it's really important that we understand why your child is behaving in a certain way what are they trying to tell you with that behavior and what are they assuming that you already know that creates them uh, creates a, a large wedge in between mm-hmm. if you are not privy to that to how their brain works so mm-hmm. when we think about the incredible unlocking that families that we work with get out of, out of this whole, um, you know, support system and, and, and st- in, in following a strategy, the first component is really understanding the difference between a highly sensitive person and a non-highly sensitive person from the inside out, right? It's not just understanding, like, oh, does my kid fit the criteria? That has nothing to do with anything, right? The four components of the personality trait is just one piece of the puzzle, right? Um, in a, in a hundred-piece jigsaw, I could be saying thousand, but I don't want us to go down that rabbit hole um, because you need to be able to solve the problem when you know the problem is not the problem, right? And breaking out of this pattern where we're trying to solve your, your child's big emotions by throwing things at the wall that sticks hasn't helped you. You've been stuck in this pattern of observing your child who has had meltdowns about chicken nuggets, meltdowns about mac and cheese, meltdowns about school meltdowns about brother and sister etc and the bottom line is if they're having meltdowns and they're feeling out of control in their bodies and that is a fear-based problem that is a bigger than um, bigger than behavior problem and you need to be focused on addressing it from a different perspective than the way that you've been doing it now and so sure we can we can tell you where it's coming from but um, that's obviously much more nuanced than just saying, "Oh, don't be afraid." Right? We don't fix the problem by just telling your kid not to have it anymore. Same thing goes with not having the um, with with trying to eat the food that they don't want to eat. Right? So, mm-hmm. what's incredibly important is that you need to understand how you are in the way as a parent, um, not just from the, from a place of of using the most ineffective strategy. Um, you know, by by trying to get them to eat stuff that they don't want to eat right now. But, uh, absorbing from, from your own understanding of what you need to be highlighting and whether or not what you're highlighting right now is your kids' major issues is actually the main problem. Okay. it's not just a symptom. Kids chucking stuff across the room that might feel like the major problem. Right. Um, but what's helping them wind their arm back is where we work, what we work on. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and and so when we think about being able to break out of that pattern. It's incredibly important that you focus on the five things that we say consistently here on, on our show. The first thing is noticing for you as a parent, where are you adding to the issue, <laughs> right? It's not just what's on the dinner table. Obviously your kiddo gets fed by you. And it's also true that they get emotionally fed by you. Highly sensitive children learn how to regulate their emotions not by watching but by specifically learning how to do it those Mm -hmm. subtleties are not picked up they are not picked up by highly sensitive kids unless they're explicitly taught and that's incredibly important that it happens through you cannot learn children do not learn um, emotional regulation skills through any other adult other than their parents if they are highly sensitive and so when we think about being able to break out of this pattern I've helped hundreds of families do that and we do that through the parent-chat relationship. And that has to be done in a specific right. way. You need you to be, be able to be playful, playful play about it. it. You, you can't, can't just do. have conversations over and over again about how they need to be doing something different and why it's important to eat more than just those bland carbohydrates, right? And, and what happens to their bellies <laughs> and, and all this jazz, right? right. Um, and, you know, if they don't want to brush their teeth, what they need to be doing instead so that they can, um, you know, especially if they're eating all those carbs, and the sugar germs are going to eat their teeth, right? So all that isn't working. For, for your kid, and you know it. And um, that has to be shifted in a systematic way, because for you, that's incredibly overwhelming to hear us say that, um, that that, that there, are, there are lots of approaches to the, to the challenging behaviors you're seeing, and all of them need to be shifted. So obviously, you need to be able to do that in a strategic way, and uh, a way that breaks down your own shame, because we know you've been trying, we know you've been working at this, you've been you know listening to us trying to use dr google trying to um you know speak to other professionals you might even be a professional yourself you know autumn and i can speak to the countless professionals that we work with in our in our clientele because mm-hmm. it takes an expert to, to turn this around it takes guidance from an expert and a lot of experts don't know how to turn this around in their own family and there's no shame in that with that being said you need to be able to, to um to be insightful enough to notice when it's time to say, you know what? There's a better way. To, there's a better, faster way to do this, mm-hmm. and, and you can hack that system. And 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 there's no shame in that game. Um, and, and when mm-hmm.
1: when you notice that it's time, you know, we think about um, you know, both the little guys and, and the teens, right? You know, mm-hmm. our teens are going to be young adults soon. Um, mm-hmm. You know, our eating is a social um, a social practice in our mm-hmm. culture, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that it, it's not just going to go away right Mm -hmm. this this, um, fear or or this difficulty that they're having with uh, picky eating it's something that's going to um, become more emphasized as they shift into young adulthood Um, or Mm -hmm. you know going from um, being you know a a younger child um, moving into um, different kinds of of social situations where Mm -hmm. um, eating is something that you know people do to gain connection and Mm -hmm. you know it's almost keeping them from being able to access this fantastic opportunity to connect with other people if they're really stuck f- experiencing fear or experience uncertainty um, around eating practices.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, and for highly sensitive kids who already feel, who, you know, especially those stuck in the meltdown cycle, already feel different. Right. It's incredibly important that we work on creating more opportunity where they feel comfortable in social situations right. because. It's one thing to notice Mm -hmm. if your kid is an introvert. It's another thing to notice if your kid is a chosen wallflower because they feel uncomfortable. And that's really important to to shift that, right? Um, Being able to notice is your child choosing not to uh, communicate with their peers and engage with their peers because they're afraid. Because they're nervous about how things will go, and they're worried what will happen if their their newfound friend becomes uh, angry with them, or doesn't mm-hmm. want to play what they want to play, mm-hmm. or uh, you know doesn't like their sense of humor for for older kids, right, or doesn't like their interests. Um, that's one thing uh, compared to you know what. Actually, I I prefer to be by myself because I feel comfortable by myself. That's a much different um, observation than a kid who isolates because they're on un, they're, they're uncomfortable. Right. Um, mm-hmm. right. And and you know, just again, I, I kind of I'm getting stuck
1: on the stealing. It's almost like stealing an opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, by not helping them to regulate in this in in around these food-based situations, um, you know, thinking about how many um, uh, highly sensitive kids end up um, not wanting to eat lunch with their peers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because they they can't handle it, um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, or. Um, that end up, you know, fatigued or um, end up, um, you know, feeling malnourished at the at the latter um, side of school their school day, right? Because mm-hmm. um, they, they can't eat when yeah. they when all their peers are, and so they're lacking that energy, or so they might show up to their classes um, in a way that um, it's not going to be beneficial for them. They're not going to be able, right. you know, to be as present as they could be. Like really mm-hmm. taking care of the speaking eating, taking care of the underlying issue related to emotion regulation is mm-hmm. critical, really just critical um, in mm-hmm. helping them to not, you know, develop from a physical standpoint, but also from a social standpoint.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And when it all boils down to emotions, then it's a heck of a lot easier to solve faster. Right. <laughs> right? right. Um, and and, uh, and with the right with the right strategy. Again, like we said. Those four components of the, the fifth one is being able to speak to a professional who knows what they're doing, who's been able to solve this problem for, with yeah. hundreds of families. And they can do that um, when those those issues come up in, in different scenarios. Right. Yeah. Um, having a, a professional who, with experience who can pivot um, and not track you with the whack-a-mole experience <laughs> is incredibly important. Right. Yeah. Um, this is something that we you know, we've we've worked with countless professionals around the world. Um, just observing client, our clients who's, who's, you know, who, who've contacted professionals before. Um, And, and the major component of, of ineffective professional support is that the professional is noticing that the child's major behavior is exactly what you were picking up on, which is that picky eating or that, you know, hitting behavior, et cetera. Um, And, and uh, the understanding that the problem is not the problem um, needs to be communicated to you in a clear and effective way and uh, whether or not our strategy is going to work for your particular family requires a conversation uh, so what how do we do that right go ahead to, to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash talk or ThompsonCoaching.com backslash teen talk if you're parenting a, a teen with this concern and um, that's a, a teen who's in high school age or up and we'll have a conversation about where you're stuck all right. right. We'll, we'll get a clear picture on all of the issues, not just the behavior that is your heightened uh, priority. And uh, then we'll cover where you want to go, what your goals are for your whole family, not just your your particular child that you're calling for in, in general. And then we'll cover how to be able to break out of that pattern. And if what we do and how we do it is going to be a good fit, we'll tell you exactly how that works and you can get started right away. Otherwise, we'll point you in the direction of something that's going to work, right? If your kiddo has some pretty severe issues uh, with eating and there's no other underlying issue based on our, our conversation on that, that phone, then we very well might point you in the direction of a different professional, right? That would make sense. Um, and, and so obviously, we need to have a conversation about it. It's not something that just a quick uh, message to us, email to us, or um, you know, Facebook posts in, the, in, our, in our free Facebook group is, is going to solve. need to be able to clearly take a look at it and ask the questions that we know lead us to an understanding of where you're actually struggling. And once you have that clarity and we have that clarity, then it's very easy to figure out what the next steps are and what you need to do to turn that around. Okay, we're happy to have that conversation. It's free for you. So it's a win-win. And um, with that being said, uh, we were happy to speak with you. Thanks for taking the time. And we look forward to talking to you on the next show. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode of how to parent your highly sensitive child like a ninja. We release a brand new episode every week. So be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen, what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So, To see if we can help you do the same, head on over to MeganThompsonCoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson, and we look forward to speaking to you soon.